0: pray a moment. Lord, um, would you break through the clutter this morning? Lord, we come in with all kinds of things heavy on our hearts and minds, and we just want to put those in your care for this next bit of time. Holy Spirit, would you come and would you speak through my words? Would you take the scriptures and open them to us and in the process reveal Jesus to us? We pray in his name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, this is our final Sunday in our Lenten preaching series called Death to Selfie. Next week, we begin Holy Week uh, with Palm Sunday and then proceeding on to Easter Day uh, that following Sunday. We've been looking over these past weeks, these last five weeks, at cultural issues that exist that have an effect upon us. Often, we don't even realize they're having an effect upon us. But they invariably have, um, well, they often bring challenges into our spiritual lives. They often bring challenges into our relational lives. And so, as is an Anglican custom in the season of Lent, we're being intentional about giving the Spirit room to say, hey, here's an area that might need some attention. Here's something you might need to walk away from. Here's something that might get in the way of your heart being fully mine. And as we walk through Lent and as we head toward Holy Week, as we move toward Easter Day, the purpose of of all this is not so we feel bad, it's not to be morbid, it's to make more space, more room for God in our hearts and our lives, both as individuals and for us as a community. And so today I want to talk about consumerism. Now of all the cultural issues, all these isms that we have been looking at, this one is probably the one that affects all the others. It's like the matrix of isms. It's just there. It's all around, even if you don't realize it. It has a driving factor on everything that we have spoken about, and it's so challenging because it's like the air we breathe. It's like fish, uh, water to a fish, excuse me. It's just there, and we're so used to it. Now, I want to start out by saying this, I'm not a communist, (laughs) I'm just not, and I'm not a socialist, and I'm not anti-capitalistic, and I say those things because as soon as you start talking about consumerism, people's, like, things just start to flare, and so that's, that's, let me just lay that out there, I'm not against money, I'm not against stuff, well, some stuff, right, too much stuff, maybe. But, it, but it's important to lay that out. Let me say this. Consumerism. Everybody say consumerism, consumerism. Might be the greatest danger to your spiritual life. Now think about that for a minute. Consumerism might actually be the greatest danger to your spiritual life of everything else we've spoken about or that we may speak about in any sermon down the road. 1999, Pope John Paul II, in his address at the World Day of Peace, said this. He said, consumerism is no less pernicious than racism, Marxism, Nazism, or fascism. Y'all, that's a strong statement the Pope made. The reason for this, he said, is because consumerism is an ideology in which the ultimate goal of life, the ultimate goal of life is the selfish satisfaction of personal aspirations through acquisition. The ultimate goal of life is not God. In consumerism, the ultimate goal of life is selfish satisfaction. Personal aspirations, acquisition. So Let me take his words and translate it into everyday street language. Life is all about me. It's all about me getting what I want, how I like it, and when I want it. And here's what it breeds. It breeds an entitlement within us that often makes us tyrants, whether we're three years old or we're 93 years old or somewhere in the middle. I want it, I want it, I want it, and here's what's happening. It always breaks down relationships. It always breaks down relationships with God and with the people around us. That's why families are failing. That's why marriages fail. That's why businesses fail. Because if life is all about me, and the air I breathe tells me that day in and day out from the time of my earliest days until the time I die, then it makes it really challenging to be in relationship with other people who are hearing the same message. It's all about them. It's all about them. It's incredibly It's incredibly dangerous. Now, how did it get this way? Well, first of all, this is nothing new. There's no new issue under the sun. You can go back to the book of Exodus and see consumerism, right? Pharaoh is driving the Hebrew slaves to make more, to make more, to make more with less. So there's nothing new about it. But how has it gotten so spun out of control, if you will, particularly in our culture, Well, after World War II, as the government was trying to figure out how do we recharge an economy that's been driving the war machine and been focused in this one area? How do we keep things moving and make things good? They brought in all these experts, analysts, economists, retailers, all sorts of folks. One man by the name of Victor Lebeau said this. Listen to this. Our enormously productive economy demands that we make consumption Our way of life, that we convert the buying and use of goods into rituals, and that we seek our spiritual satisfaction in consumption. You know what the answer was? Consumerism becomes the new religion. That's what he was saying there. We we make the buying of stuff ritualistic. That's, That's actually what we do in church, not the buying of stuff but ritual, right? We seek our spiritual satisfaction not in God alone, but in consumption. And depending upon your age in this room, you have been breathing this air every minute of your life. Some of us who are a bit older, some who are much older, have kind of found their way into this. But for the youngest among us, this is the air we breathe. And it ain't his holy presence. It's consumerism. Lebeau went on to say this. We need things consumed, burned up, replaced, and discarded at an ever-increasing rate. Man, my phone breaks faster and faster. Like the last phone made it a year and a half. The phone before that was like three years. The phone before that was like seven years, but mostly because I'm stubborn. And I just didn't want to buy a new one. Things are being burned up, used up, consumed, discarded at an ever-increasing rate. And of course, advertising, and I'm not, if you're in advertising, this is not a knock on you, but advertisements drive so much of this. They play a big role. Did you know that each one of us is targeted at least 3,000 times a day? 3,000 times a day with ads. We see more ads in one day than people 50 years ago saw in their entire lives. That is remarkable. If you don't believe me, ask an older person, ask your grandmother or your great-grandmother if she's still with us. Now, what's the point of an ad? To make us unhappy, to make us dissatisfied with ourselves and what we have, so we'll fix it. 3,000 times a day, don't tune out. Listen, 3,000 times a day, you are specifically told in a myriad of ways, your hair is wrong, your skin is wrong, your teeth are wrong, your body is wrong, your clothes, your cars, your houses, your furniture, it's all wrong. We are wrong. You are wrong. I am wrong. But it can all be made right if we just go shopping. (laughs) You're laughing because you know it's true. (laughs) I Heard a line in a movie just recently, right? A mother is dealing with her daughter who's just been turned down from going to grad school. She's heartbroken. That's what she wanted more than anything else. This is what the mother said. I had to write it down because I was working on this sermon. It's all around us. I wouldn't have heard it probably otherwise. She said this, just go shopping you know it will make things all better. There's a name for that called retail therapy. Don't deal with your sorrow. Don't deal with your broken heart. Go consume something and it will be all better. (laughs) This is meddlesome today, isn't it? But it's, it's meant to be It's just meant to shine a light, y'all, on stuff that we we really probably hardly even notice anymore. Think about the situation we're in. We work our tails off. This is a hard-working group of people, and most people around here are. But we work our tails off, sometimes with two, three, maybe four jobs. Young people today, they expect they all need to have a side hustle. That's what it's being called now, a side job, a second job, in order to pay for what well, to pay for stuff, in Dave Ramsey's words, that you really don't want to impress people you don't really like. <laughs> Think about the craziness of this. We come home from work and we're exhausted, so we sit in front of the TV or we pull out our laptop or our iPad or our phone, and every ad says to you, you're not enough. Your life is not enough. You Maybe it says you are too much. Get rid of some of it. You must have more, you must have more, you must have more in order to be happy. You must go there in order to be happy. You must, you must, you must. We're being driven, driven, driven. So what do we do? Well, we go to the mall. We go to town center. We go to Amazon. We go to King Street. We pull up Etsy and we buy stuff that we can't afford. And we put it on credit. And we end up paying for it long after it's worn out or we've forgotten it. This incredible cycle of consuming, and so it goes, and so it goes. It's this crazy hamster wheel of working and advertising, which breeds unhappiness and leads to buying more in order to be happy. And we even bring this consumerism into the church. Why? Because it's the air we breathe. And so there's this new language that that I hear often. Folks say, well, we're shopping for a new church. Are you new in the area? No, we're just not happy with the old church. We don't like the sermons. We didn't like the music, right? It didn't meet our expectations. We're just not feeling it anymore. I don't have time for relationships. I don't want to go serve the poor. I don't want to be in a life group. It's this drivenness of self And behind it is, I believe, the consumeristic culture that is in our heads, it's in our hearts, and it flows out of us. And we don't even realize it. So we hop from church to church, we hop from relationship to relationship, we hop from group to group, dissatisfied, never actually putting down roots and saying, you know what, this is my people. I'm sticking it out with them no matter what hell or high water. That's anathema to consumerism. Here's the thing, this consumeristic mentality will always get projected on Jesus at some point. You're not doing it the way I want, and every one of us somewhere in our journey will be faced with the disappointment of life didn't go our way, our prayers were not answered the way we had hoped they would be, and we'll come to a crossroads. Where we'll have to decide, will I stay in it with Jesus or am I out of here? Because you know what? I don't know. Yoga asks a lot less of me. I mean, I got to pay for it, but it feels good in the immediate. There's no crosses in that place. I mean, Peter tried to do this with Jesus, didn't he? We get to the point where Jesus says, who do people say that I am? Peter gets it right. He says, you're the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. And Jesus begins, and this is recorded in all four Gospels, so it's really important. He begins to say how the Christ must suffer and die. How He will be rejected by the chief priests and the leaders and the elders. And that they will kill Him, but on the third day He will rise again. And Peter says, there's no way. Peter rebukes the Lord of glory, because Peter didn't sign up for a road of suffering. I signed up so you can make my life better, so I could get to the top, so I would get a few tips and tricks and techniques. I really don't want a God who says, walk after me, a road potentially of suffering. I want a guide who's going to be part therapist and part life coach, who's going to help me get my dreams and my visions and my plans accomplished. And if he doesn't, well, I'll find one who will. I had a conversation some years ago with a really nice man. And he's just typical of many nice men and women that I've had conversations with. He had worked and worked and worked and gotten to the top. His business was soaring. People looked up to him. He was number one honcho in his circles. Problem is, he neglected his wife and his children along the way, and she had an affair because he stopped going after her heart. And so she was going to get his attention one way or another because she was a consumer too. I'm going to feel good, especially if you're not meeting my needs. And so he comes in to me, and he's broken, and he's just, what do I do? And I said, well, just tell me a little bit about life. Well, I grew up, I was baptized in the, in the church and I grew up in the church and I went to church every Sunday but then I went to college and I wandered away but then I got married and we did that in the church and then, you know, we had some kids and we got them baptized because, you know, we're, we're doing the thing. And I, I just probed, just tried to probe gently but, but not without intention. Do You pray. I talk to God sometimes. Do you read the scriptures so they're informing your mind and your heart and shaping your life and your morals and your values? Well, I don't really have time for that. See, I travel all the time. Okay, well, do you pray with your wife? Well, why would we do that? Do you pray with your kids? Do you, do you read the Bible to your children? Do you teach them about your faith? Well, not really. Okay, so let me get this straight. You have no time for God in your life, but now that your life has fallen apart, you want God to step in? What do you really want? This is what he said. He said, I want God to fix it and get it back to normal. Y'all, so many of us approach God that way all the time. In the major things and in the minor things. Just fix it and get it back to the way I want it. That is spiritual immaturity. The good news is God loved that man right where he was. And he loves every one of us right where we are. He loves you. Even with the crazy air we breathe and the notions that we have and tend to project upon Him, He's absolutely in love with you. But here's the thing you will never find it in the Bible Jesus saying, I'll follow you. Think about the rich young ruler in our gospel reading there, right? He had a lot of stuff, he thought he'd, you know, check the boxes. He thought he, he'd done the right religious things. He'd even followed, you know, some of the moral code. Never mind the first half, but I did most of the second half. And Jesus says, one thing you lack, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and then come follow me. Now again, let me, let me say this. I'm not advocating cons- uh, 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 c- communism. And I don't think Jesus is saying that it's wrong for us to have stuff. The problem is when our stuff has us. And that was what the the issue was in that man's heart. His stuff had him. He was more interested in life as he wanted it. Jesus said, come and follow me. Come follow me, Jesus says. Come follow me, Jesus says. Somewhere along the line in your faith life, you will be confronted with what happens when it doesn't go your way. What happens when prosperity gospel doesn't work out? You know, I'm always going to be happier and healthier and wealthier. That's not Bible. Yes, God blesses. Yes, there are times when we have great prosperity, but that is not the guarantee. Actually, Jesus says, take up a cross and follow me. Take up a cross and follow me. (laughs) Have you come to Christ in order... For what he can give you? Or just for him? And maybe you're somewhere in that process of being undone from, well, this is at least, you know, fire insurance because I don't want to go to hell. You're kind of living in it right now. Is Jesus enough? Or is it Jesus plus my life? Jesus plus, and then fill in the blanks. And anything that you put in the blank, the scripture would say, it's an idol. And a consumer culture breeds that in us. Breeds that in us. So what do you do? What do you do? Well, recognition is always part of it. It's hearing a hard message sometimes that goes, whoa, light bulbs got bright. Yeah, we've tuned them down today, and it's gray outside, but it's awfully bright in our hearts today. We begin to say, oh, Lord, it's not those people out there. It's not that vague matrix of the Internet. Oh, I'm part of a world system that's designed to take my heart away from you. It's called Babylon in the Scriptures. It's designed to close my eyes and numb my heart so that I will seek to find life in things that are less than the God who alone can satisfy my heart. Your heart will always be restless until it finds its rest in the Lord. Because only He, only the Lord Almighty is enough. You see, the drive and the desire is actually a godly thing. That's where we get screwed up. We Go to the opposite extreme and say, well, let's deaden all of our desires. No, 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 that's Buddhism, don't do that. Your desire is good, your desire is godly. It's bent and broken by sin. The key is to put the desire on the only one who will ever satisfy, and that is the Lord himself. That's why in our lesson there in 1 Timothy, as Paul is talking to Timothy he says these words in verse 11. But as for you, O man of God, O woman of God, O child of God, flee these things. What things is he talking about? A consumeristic world. A world of acquisition of self. Pursue righteousness and godliness and faith and love and steadfastness and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. It's a fight, y'all. We've got to wake up and recognize we are in a spiritual battle zone. It's pretty, at least where we live, but it is a battle for our hearts and our lives. He says, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. And as we recognize this this morning, I need to say to you, take hold of the spiritual life, the eternal life to which you were called. You didn't figure this out. He called you. And He empowered you. And you responded in faith to what? Grace. His arms open wide. His heart running towards you. You've got to take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. And you've got to fight against the stuff that numbs it out and says it's too hard. Check out. Go somewhere else. Because it's all about you. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. And about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I love something that Jackie Pullinger said. Uh, Jackie Pullinger is a British missionary who lived for many years in Hong Kong, and like 28. She worked with drug, drug addicts, heroin addicts in Hong Kong. This is what she says She says that God gave her resurrection eyes, eyes that see the living Christ. See she's looking beyond she's looking beyond everything satisfied here and now to a recognition that she's a pilgrim and that her call her journey our call our journey is not to become settlers in a strange land but to be on this journey with one another bringing as many people along with us as we possibly can so that they don't end up far, far away from the Lord, who alone is life, who alone will satisfy. But here's the thing, the promise, and this is where we get a false gospel out there so often, the promise isn't you get to go to heaven if you come to Christ. The promise isn't all the problems of life go away, the promise is that he will be your life. And that brings us back to the question, is he enough? Is he enough? Because that's what heaven is. It's Jesus forever. So if He isn't enough now, why do you think He'll be enough later? And so you see this and you cry out in recognition, Oh Lord, my heart is full of idols, false worship, lesser things, trying to take the place of You who is the greatest thing of all. And you bring your heart back to Him in confession, in repentance. Asking for kingdom eyes. Coming back to your first love. It's going long, but he keeps giving me scriptures. So we're going to go with it. I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm... Those whom I love, I reprove, I discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne." He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. The invitation, my friends, is this. In fact, take out your Isaiah passage. Jesus echoed these words in John chapter 7 and all through the Gospels. These are the words of God to you this morning. Hear them as the word of God to your heart and your life this morning, come, everyone who thirsts. That's grace, friends. Come to the waters. And he who has no money, come by and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear. Hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Seek the Lord, verse 6, while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon He will abundantly pardon. He's looking for our response to the Spirit's promptings based upon the Word of God in our lives. We've got like two weeks of Lent left. Next week is Holy Week. Please, for your own soul's sake, slow down. Make some space. Yeah, I know you're too busy. Stop, for your own soul's sake, somewhere. Maybe you come to Monday, Thursday, and you you let your husband wash your feet, or you let your wife wash your feet, or your children. You, You go to Good Friday, Stations of the Cross, or find space to be intentional, to slow down the machine of consumerism. Would love to keep you so revved up that you get to Easter and you miss it at the same time. The Lord says, come, come, come. Let's pray. Jesus, please, please, please speak into our hearts today. We rebuke every condemning voice in the name of Jesus. But at the same time, we name that voice that says there are no problems, the voice of consumerism, the voice that says it's all about me, It's the flesh and it's the world and it's the devil. Lord, have mercy. Have mercy upon us. Give us the grace to consume less. Give us the grace to move ourselves off the throne of our lives to run to you because you've already run to us in the cross. Your victory is assured in the resurrection. Holy Spirit, do a work in your people, in me today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.